Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Uninformed Podcast. This week, I'm your host, Zach, and with me, I have Ethan. What's up, Ethan? Yo. Dude, I just want to say you have the best intros, man. I love it. Thank, thank you. I try. I need to step it up each time, otherwise uh, it's going to falter. So. Well, you do. You definitely do. Ah, thank you. Um, and then we also have Jared. How's it going, buddy? I'm great, Zach. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> and we have last, but never least, is the big man himself, Jonah. Hey, What's up, Jonah? Nice. I love the enthusiasm every time. It's like a signature for you. That's right, baby. Let's lock and load. <laughs> Let's get hyped because it's Halloween. We all know what goes on during Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we Sex. do. What? Do you guys have an idea of what I'm going to be talking about? Just throw a few guesses. The Great Pumpkin? Cross-dressing. No. How, the the origin story of Halloween. No, it's gonna be a very bloodthirsty, blood sucking episode. Vampire. Yeah, very very close. A ghost. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be vampire bats in particular. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, Sex. the main idea I'm gonna try to get to cr- across to you guys is: Are vampire bats detrimental to society? And when I say society, I mean Latin America, South America, and Mexico. Or, or what? do they benefit society by potentially curing strokes? So we're, we're going <laughs> to... That's a whole That's a lot, man. All right, let, let me, let me just right. see if I get this straight. By the end of this podcast, we're going to be able to answer the question, are vampire bats detrimental to South America... Or are they potentially cancer curing? I mean, essentially, I mean, not cancer curing, but like stroke curing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Sorry. they have the potential to cure cancer strokes. Oops, well, I now I now oh, wow. I flood my words. Sorry. Did... Okay, so these bats cured cancer. How was COVID created again? The Wuhan virus. <laughs> hey, that that is a fair point. But we're talking about vampire bats, and. They're located in subtropical climates uh, near the Amazon rainforest. And we're also going to address a point that should these vampire bats be forced into extinction? Because, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll whoa, figure it out. I, I don't want to give too much away. So, Mass genocide. The first part, we're going to talk about the functions of the bats. These bats are commonly... Uh, found to be two ounces and they have an average wingspan of 15 inches yeah so they're they're very tiny bats and they're like mice wings (laughs) yeah yeah you could say that and it's very fascinating how these bats hunt so they're nocturnal animals as usually bats are and these bats run these are the common vampire bat they run (laughs) and they use their their, their forearms, the forewings, the forelimbs, as you say, and they are very strong and they can run. They prefer running rather than flying, which they do have the capability to fly. Yeah. Really? That's yeah, creepy. That's so creepy. creepy. Their faces are <laughs> – some people say they're ugly, but uh, other people say, what do you say they look like humans and we'll 
kind of get into that later. Uh, but the way that they feast on their prey... Is that a conspiracy theory I hear brewing? What, that vampire bats are oh. humans? Mm. Huh? Well, I wasn't really uh, <laughs> thinking of that one, but we could potentially entertain that. But oh my. Um, going back to the idea at hand, so um, essentially how these vampire bats feast on their prey is they go out and they use echolocation and to figure out where the prey is. And usually they go after cattle, horses. Uh, I've seen them go after sea lions um, from the videos I've watched um, or even pigs as well. And they have been known to bite humans, uh, especially children in uh, South America, Latin America, uh, especially in Peru and Ecuador near the Amazon rainforest. Um, so yeah, they would go and feast. They would creep up on, say it's a, a pig, for example. So they would go and figure out where the best uh, accessible area for blood is. So they would go to the capillaries Usually that's where the neck is um, and because they have thermal sensors around their face to be able to, to detect. And they have incisors, like very, very sharp teeth that would cut away, like slice away the hair so then they can make an, a painless incision for the animal. And they would start not sucking the blood, but they would start licking the blood. And it goes up through... There's like little tiny like tubes uh, on the bottoms of the gum or the mouth area and it would funnel up. And usually these bats would do it for approximately a half hour. And the animal is wow. unaware the whole time, which is kind of freaky, yeah. Wow. Does it numb? Do the bats have any of that saliva that numbs the skin? Like yes, a mosquito they do thing? actually. Yeah, and there is a protein within their saliva called Desmotoplase, and its nickname, you ready for it? It's called Draculin. Yeah, tell me. Yeah. Draculin. I love that name. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. I love that so, name. And that's going to be important for later, um, that protein itself, um, which we kind of mentioned in the intro. So the reason why these bats are harmful not just because they suck blood um it's because they've been known to spread rabies by uh after they bite because the animals that they usually go after the livestock the pigs the cattle are susceptible to rabies and um since uh the herd is usually uh congested and they're all um next to each other it's an easier rate of spread and mm. that can affect humans because the, usually the type of rabies that comes um, from these bats is dumb rabies or paralytic rabies. So uh, say there's a ch child that gets bit uh, from one of these bats, they will uh, experience paralytic symptoms or para paralysis for a certain period of time. Um, what's also interesting about these bats is that they have to feast uh, and drink enough blood. Usually it's when, when they feast uh, about 30 minutes uh, per night, they get several teaspoons, and they have to do this um, for two days. They have to go get blood for two days, otherwise they die. So 
Uh, and what usually doesn't kill the animal is... Uh, it, what usually kills the animal is rabies. Not necessarily uh, by the bat being a parasite and taking the blood. So, But over time, that could possibly kill them, but that's usually not uh, how it works. So... Which is very interesting as well. Is this a leading cause of rabies, or is it just something that causes rabies, or is it something that carries and passes on rabies? Yeah, it's it's something that bats uh, carry um, because of because how frequent they bite, they're a catalyst for rabies, and uh, they easily spread it. The, the these the when I'm talking about bats, I mean. Referring to the three types of vampire bats, so that's the common vampire bat, the white-winged vampire bat, and the hairy-legged. And these vampire bats are they primarily live in Central America climates? Do they live, you know, in the U.S., Canada, colder weather? Um, Because just based on what you've said, is it mainly like a Central America type issue? Yeah, it's primarily um, South America, Central America, um, and Mexico. So, like I said, usually Peru and Ecuador. Um, I have uh, seen online that there are bats that are migrating to Texas, but I haven't seen that report uh, too much. But usually they're more in the tropic, um, subtropic climates. So, yeah. Does anybody have any other questions? Nah, man, keep going. Gotcha. All right, cool. So the reason why farmers and ranchers want to kill these bats is is kind of what I said already, is because they kill their livestock. Um, they, they really, they're hard set. They're really focused on making sure these these particular vampire bats are extinct. Um, and the way they try to prevent uh, vampire bats from ru- ruining their livelihood um, and from hurting their families is by spraying uh, a sticky substance. It's a poison residue on the bats. And the hopes is for them to take it back to the colony. And usually a colony of vampire bats is around 100 to 1,000 in a colony which is, yeah, wow. it's an extreme amount. So hopefully they spread that. It kills off the bats. But um, from what studies have shown from like from National Geographic and um, other sites I've researched, they said that this form does not stop the spread of rabies and it does not stop the killing of livestock. Because, uh, say that colony dies, there's just another evolution of bats another uh, similar species of vampire bats that come and replace the original uh, ones that died and uh, because uh, Darwin's theory they get stronger and they start to adapt and they just grow in numbers and they reproduce um, and one theory from what I uh, found is that Christopher Columbus when he came over he brought a lot of cattle to Central America, uh, Latin America, and that is why, because there were a small m- number of vampire bats, and then eventually once they started, because uh, they were always blood uh, thirsty animals, and that's how they primarily live, primarily live. Uh, they would feast on that cattle, 
that livestock and they would reproduce and grow and multiply over the years and that is why they're attracted to uh, those warm-blooded animals and that's why there is numerous there's uh, huge plethora amounts of vampire bats today so um but yeah so do you guys have anything any comments questions in your head uh, is it true that the bats leader hails from gotham city and all bats listen to that guy or that leader oh the batman um i've seen a couple cool documentaries I, done online i think christian bale plays the main character in those documentaries and he's just kind of the leader of the bats oh okay that that makes sense now i christian bale rings a bell is he related to bruce wayne that no he plays bruce wayne <laughs> oh okay they're not related the the millionaire philanthropist no way. that is not that's that's a that's a different guy yeah it has to be right yeah um i i would think so i would think uh the uh batman as uh some people may call him uh would have a connection to these bats um and yeah he probably would know more than i do i want to throw this in here too so five vampire bats can drink a gallon one gallon of blood of pig's blood which is kind of insane that's for their size it's insane how much blood that they can drink um yeah yeah i figured um and i also i, I watched <laughs> several mind. videos on vampire bats and one question uh, that did arise in the video was why don't vampire bats attack people more, attack humans more? Well, especially if humans are around livestock, livestock, uh, cattle, and uh, pigs create that buffer to protect people because they're more attracted to, oh. to cattle usually because that's their favorite. Honestly, yeah. same. But <laughs> if there's no uh, cattle around, then humans are more susceptible to being bit. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is very interesting. So, now going into, I'm going to try to provide a case of why these vampire bats should be protected. Might be slightly difficult because there's a lot of negative stigma, negative connotation with vampire bats. Ooh, scary. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> these <laughs> vampire bats are actually actually have human-like qualities. Yeah, so oh, nice. they care for their young when the mother passes. They all like it takes you know saying it takes a village to raise a family. Essentially, these bats, vampire bats, will congregate and protect their young uh, after uh, the maternal the mother has passed. Um, the bats the vampire bats also hold each other for warmth they give like huge hugs to keep each other um to sustain uh their life to you know to, to live uh to be healthy don't they embrace their young um, like it, when they hang upside down i feel like i've seen videos online of like what you were saying a bat embracing like a smaller bat where it's kind of like pulls it in for body warmth is that what you're talking about yeah, yeah, that that is what I'm referring to. Yeah, and, um, and they also embrace each other. It doesn't necessarily have to be their young, but that is. Yeah, but that doesn't. That's not. 
that's not only applies to bats. So why should we keep those bats alive if other species do that? That is a good question. Um, well, because I'm going to hone in on something I mentioned in the beginning, it's because these vampire bats, those three species species that I mentioned earlier, the the common, the white-winged, and the hairy-legged, they all have a common theme. It's with their saliva. They have that anticoagulant, which stops blood from clotting. It allows blood to flow when they're uh, licking the blood. So it has been tested in attempting to try to cure strokes in humans. That's mainly that protein desmotoplase, which is, like I said before, draculin. Uh, it's been tested in several drug trials. Um, recently, as of 2019, I did uh, some research uh, that it, it was mainly it was a fact check for a, a study in 28 or 2008, excuse me, and essentially they were saying how. They had small samples, two small samples of studies that did not, uh, it was a failure to uh, provide, to yield uh, beneficial results from said drug to cure the strokes. But however, um, there is still hope because um, I also saw a fact that usually whenever, whenever someone in general has a stroke like a human, um, the doctors have to have three hours to react to try to prevent um, the stroke from killing um, that human, said human. Um, but with the drug from uh, the protein desmotoplase, draculin, it can actually delay that process. So it would give the doctors nine hours instead of three hours, which is beneficial for sure. Um, for what I've seen, it's still in phases unfortunately um because uh i believe they're still trying to test the drug and make sure it's uh safe for humans um because that that process takes a while and because like i said they only tested it in small groups um they're still looking at major trials because uh, this uh fortunately this process takes a while even though it's a novel drug and it could potentially be um one of the most uh, beneficial s drugs found in nature so especially if it's uh, synthesized correctly the enzyme uh, and what have you so okay all right. I just wanted to throw out so you've mentioned a yeah. few times anticoagulant so I thought for our listeners this yeah. was just a nice little tidbit to mention another very sure. popular name for anticoagulants are blood thinners Maybe you've heard of your grandpa or grandma yeah. taking blood thinners, mm -hmm. but the idea is it thins the blood out. But also when oh, people yeah. are on blood thinners, if you just stub your toe or knee a door, you get a bruise because the blood comes there so quickly. Or if you get a small cut, the blood comes out crazy quick as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, just another you know name for it. You know, just blood thinners. It thins that blood and it makes it real easy to bleed. So that way the bats can you know slurp it up. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. Slurp, slurp. Yeah, because I definitely you know, saw that in my research. So, thank you, Jared. Um, so, the question that I'm going to bring up is one that I kind of posed in the beginning. It's, should vampire bats be forced into extinction? 
I'll take this one, fellas. What do you guys think? I would say no. I don't think any creature, at least that I'm aware of, on this planet should be forced into extinction. Um, they have their natural role in the food chain, and you see what happens when you remove certain animals from a food chain. Um, even there's a decrease in certain areas in deer population, which leads to a decrease in more apex predators that hunt deer. So removing bats from the uh, ecosystem uh, probably isn't a good idea, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Ethan, what do you think? I agree, man. I, I don't think that killing them is the right answer. I think um, that anytime you have like an overpopulation of one thing, I'm no expert, but I thought that you bring in its predator and you add a couple more of its predator and that kind of equals things out and that brings them back down. So I think there's like a bunch of solutions. But again, I have no idea about what I'm talking about right now. So take that with a grain of salt. That's fair. Jared, what do you think? I'm thinking about it. So one, I'm thinking about just the financial side. If we devoted the resources to finding the cure for rabies or a rabies vaccine that people could get at a young age, rather than the amount of money we would spend to exterminating all the bats, I feel like that could be more fruitful to prevent against other animals that actually, you know, also have rabies. So I think on one hand that, you know, could benefit. So that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. But I also know there's indigenous areas that don't have uh the resource to to those kinds of things so moral of the story is i also don't think eliminate the bats and the resources can be used else how yeah um yeah i i i think i agree with what you're saying um for the vaccine idea um i have done some research on that um essentially what uh, studies have said and what I've seen online is that um, if say for example say in Peru they wanted to implement a vaccine for rabies they would have to vaccine the bats the humans uh, all the livestock and all the money it would be a, a very large amount of money very huge uh, in order to successfully implement it and get the whole process going so yeah um, so for now, that's what, as I was saying before, the, um, I guess you could say pesticides, more of a poison that they spray on the bats is supposed to be a temporary solution to try to call the herd as you will, and to try to, uh, keep the farmers and the ranchers from losing their livelihood. So, and especially from, uh, people from losing children and losing families uh, due to diseases from rabies so there's a theory out there and i don't know uh, if you guys have ever heard of this um and i forget what it's called but basically that everything on earth has learned how to coexist with each other and um that's why there's a lot of money pouring into studies of animals and plants because for every ailment there should be some um you know a god-given cure for lack of a better term where there's a, a i guess a natural cure out there for it um and when we start removing animals plants from the ecosystem we're upsetting the natural balance of things that can lead to worse scenarios than where things are because over you know 
um, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, every everything on Earth has kind of learned to coexist with each other and, and create a natural order of balance. And when those are disrupted, it creates a uh, chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I have heard that before. Um, Ethan, do you have something to say? Oh, I yeah. said I'd buy it. So with that, we're going to fly away because this episode is going to close out. So thank you guys for joining me on this episode. Make sure to give us a follow. Give us a rating if you uh, have the time. And follow us on social media and listen to us wherever podcasts are available. And peace out.